my podcast about. This is a podcast where we sit down on a fortnightly basis and discuss a topic to decide what our podcast is going to be about. Uh, I am your host, Peter the Great, the handsome, the kind. I don't know why I'm giving myself adjectives, but I'm hosting, so I can do whatever the fuck I want. Uh, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew Grace. Hello. And Keith Ramsey. Hey. So, how's everything going in the world today, boys? Pretty good. As good as it can be this holly jolly season. You say it like that. I don't know. Are you high right now, man? <laughs> high on Christmas. High on holly. I found some holly leaves and smoked them and they didn't really do anything, but I thought I'd try it anyway. <laughs> I am seeing new colors now, so maybe I need to knock them. I've never tried the berries. They are good. So yeah... Fun things are happening. Cyberpunk was released like at 8 o'clock last night. Some of us have had a chance to play it. Some of us haven't. By some, I mean one of us has had a chance to play it. and Some of us haven't. Then you get past the character creation screen. I got past the character creation screen. Only got like two story missions in though. Okay. Uh, So, genital creation. Just tell me when to stop. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, for those of you who are concerned, I had my arms at full wingspan when Matt told me to keep going. <laughs> All right. Yeah, some very disturbing scenes, as in, like, you know, dystopian, futuristic city, people with cybernetic enhancements. Uh, some companies might want to make a quick buck in uh, killing you and taking your cybernetics and selling them. Yeah, it's pretty dark. Yeah. Yeah, fun game, though. Nice. I'm uh, <laughs> looking forward to trying it once I have hardware that can handle it. Fair enough. What about you, Keith? What's going on in your world? Uh, so, a few interesting things have happened and been announced that are coming up soon that I thought I'd share with you guys. So, of course, uh, the PlayStation 5 is still uh, a wasteland of people trying to get it to the point where, uh, let's just say, Fast and the Furious might have been in the news more than you'd expect recently. <laughs> Apparently, people have taken to getting the, car- the tr- cargo trucks transporting PlayStation 5s in transit. And stealing the tr- cargo from the trucks, just like Fast and the Furious 1. Oh my god. People are literally recreating Fast and the Furious 1, but stealing PlayStation 5s instead of VHS players? <laughs> they were VHS DVD player hybrids. Right. Fuck. Yeah, and there's actual news footage you can see online of people driving the car up behind the truck, hopping onto the truck, and then opening up the back while it's still all moving, and throwing PlayStation 5s at the back. Jesus. So you know what this means, right? We can all look forward to a remake of Fast and the Furious 1 coming soon, now that it's happening in the real world, just so they can add based on a true story. Oh, fuck. This world is just silly that we're currently living in. Based on a true story that was based on a movie. It gets better, too, because uh, it's not related to this, but uh, another announcement of a new thing that's going to be coming to uh, primetime uh, as a miniseries on the 13th of December. Oh, a story about a man who is a new chef for a high-table society who has a secret recipe, and people might want him dead, and there's going to be romance, betrayal, and that is the story of Colonel Sanders. Oh my god. A Recipe for Seduction is the name of this oh What the fuck is with KFC and their <laughs> meme content? They made that fucking meme VR game where you were cooking in the KFC kitchen. They made the fucking... KFC dating simulator? What is with KFC and the fucking content oh, they're putting out these days? It gets days? better. Guess who's playing Colonel Sanders? Who? who? Mario Lopez. What <laughs> the fuck? The trailer is up right now. It So, normally, if you're listening to this on any of the podcast platforms, I usually link trailers and stuff that we talk about in the bottom. I'm going to put it there. But if you're on YouTube right here, you have to take the time to sit down and watch this trailer. Pause the video if you're on YouTube and swap over to watch the trailer. To make sure I'm not having a fucking fever dream right now. In fact, now. Uh, corresponding with this, uh, I think it's Uber Eats. If you order it from KFC, they give you like six free chicken strips this day when it goes live. Oh my god. <laughs> so if I order from KFC on December 13th, I get free chicken strips? <laughs> if you order something at least $20 or more, I believe. It's kind of worth it, to be honest. <laughs> KFC knows exactly how to cash in on their image. Yeah, make fucking memes and roll in the cash. And the trailer, like, it, it looks like your standard, like, you know, uh, like, kind of like TV drama that's, like, a little cheesy, but, like, it's Hallmark style. But I can't tell if, like, some of these actors are taking it very seriously or not. Uh, 
to reiterate and go back a little bit, you said that this was a chef who made food specifically for high society, right? So he he he, he comes to like there's this mansion with like all these rich people, and the daughter uh, that's supposed to marry this other rich guy is developing feelings for the colonel, <laughs> and. He apparently has a secret recipe, but they kick him up because they don't want the romance. And then he ends up starting his own restaurant, I guess. But they don't want his secret recipe or the affair, so they're trying to kill him. Oh my god. I just like the implication <laughs> that KFC is specifically for high society. I think that's my favorite implication from this. It's a taste not fit for the regular individual. Not for common folk such as us. It has just made me sad. <laughs> this is what 2020 has come to. This is the final boss of December. Our recipe for seduction. This yeah. is why we need a holly jolly December to make it through the end of this terrible year. Matt, how did you intake more holly and jolly <laughs> in the midst of us recording this podcast? Oh no, that was all the recipe for seduction. Oh, it makes so much sense. But I could really go for KFC after talking about that, honestly. Mm. I'm getting a little hungry just thinking Yeah, about I could it. go for, like, some popcorn chicken specifically oh, right now. It's been ages since I've had popcorn chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you remind me? <laughs> so I'm going to be probably going to KFC on, maybe today, maybe also the 13th. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it, podcast canceled. I don't know that I can talk about anything anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys have anything else going on in the world that you want to discuss before we move on? No, that was pretty much it. No. Oh. Not that I can remember after that bomb. <laughs> uh, you know what? Quick palate cleanser. We're down to two episodes left in fucking Mandalorian before uh, the season's over. I'm going to have to start binging that soon. Yeah. They've uh, clearly built up what's going to be a very climactic uh, last two episodes from what yeah. I can tell. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how it develops. You're going to have to watch it, Matt, because I'm not yes. going to be able to stop talking about it two weeks from now. Oh, I understand. All right. Boopity boop boop boop. Words. I forgot how to do podcast for a second there. <laughs> Recipe for seduction may have broken me before we even started talking about the main meat of our subject. KFC has done its advertising well then. So, for those of you who are my favorite type of listener who have not looked ahead to figure out what our podcast is about... And didn't figure it out based on the picture we posted. Uh, today we are talking about a Christmas carol. But not just any old Christmas carol. Specifically, the Muppets Christmas carol. Yes. Because while the Christmas carol itself has been done many times in the past, many iterations, this one is unique in its own sense. So I don't know about you guys, but I was young enough... When I first saw it, that in my head, this has always been the definitive version of it. <laughs> and it wasn't until I went back and rewatched it, I was like, oh, there's a whole bunch of shit that happens to this that is not canonical no. to the real story. I've also caught out quite a bit of stuff. Yeah. The Mickey Mouse one was my first one. Fair. Um, I actually saw a stage play first. Oh, classic. Ooh. It's actually really good. Fair. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so, story opens... Not on Ebenezer Scrooge being a dick or anything like that. It opens on the quick cityscape followed by the introduction of two characters. Uh, Rizzo the Rat and... Oh, actually, before we get here, I'm jumping back a little bit because it had something that I thought was really cool during the opening credits. So as it's flying through the city, you see like the classic introduction of like, it has so-and-so, like Michael Caine playing Ebenezer Scrooge and stuff like that. But because for the kids, the Muppets have always just been their characters themselves and they don't address the fact that they're puppets who are being puppeteered by someone else doing the voices. I really enjoy how it did stuff like Gonzo as Ebony, or Gonzo as uh, Charles, Dickens. Charles Dickens. Thank you for reminding <laughs> me. Or fucking uh, Kermit as fucking his employee whose name I'm also drawing a blank on right now. Cricket? Cratchit. 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 Bob Cratchit. There we go. Uh, so I really enjoy how it made a point of Fazo as Fozzy, uh, Fazo the Bear as Fozzywig. Yeah. Um, so I really enjoy how they made a point of naming the characters as playing other characters <laughs> rather than just saying who was puppeteering them. So I thought that was a really cool thing that they did. Anyways, we get introduced to Rizzo the Rat, uh, who is playing Rizzo in this story. And seems very confused as to why Mr. Gonzo the Great is referring to himself as Charles Dickens for whatever but reason. You're not Charles what do you mean? Dickens. It's Charles Dickens. 
Yeah, he keeps accusing him of not being Charles Dickens, and he's like, prove it. Prove to me that you're Charles Dickens. He's like, all right, I know the story, like the back of my hand. He's like, really? He's like, yeah, there's a mole, there's a scar from the time I fell over when I was a kid. He's like, no, prove to me that you know the fucking story, Gonzo, stop being a little dick. Uh, <laughs> and Gonzo starts telling us the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. Little Dickens. I thought we were done talking about cyberpunk. <laughs> Uh, so, we are introduced to Ebenezer Scrooge, who's going to be walking around that corner right there, when? Right now. And then he walks around the corner, proving that Gonzo is omniscient in this world. The one thing I really want to point out and give credit to, like, that's become very clear from the beginning, is the amount of, like, work and skill they put into, like, making the Muppets work with the live actors in this one. Because normally it's just kind of like, just film wherever the fuck they want, and just always cut it off at the waist. But this one, like, there's a lot of really cool angles. And I think this is the first movie that used CG and green screen yes. to cut out the uh, puppeteers and mm-hmm. not just had to hide them behind things. Yeah, because this is, I think, definitively the first movie where you see all of the puppets from the waist down as well. Like, yeah, because we get a Kermit skating scene later, uh, and there's a lot of really cool angles. that just, They did a really, really good job of interweaving the city, because the city feels like this does make sense that puppets, or Muppets, I should say, yeah. and people are living in. And them interacting with each other doesn't feel unnatural or forced. They definitely have some areas where they clearly avoided doing CGI by hiding the puppeteers. But they also didn't forcibly set up every scene in such a way that they could do that. Yeah. They were willing to use the CGI to show everything. Because, like, in the city, most of the city shots were in very busy marketplaces with lots of pedestrian traffic, lots of stalls and all that. And uh, for any of the close-up scenes, uh, specifically with Scrooge when he's walking through the city in the opening scene, it's actually he's walking on platforms that are done to look like city streets, and the puppeteers are all around him, and he's actually taking little tiny steps so that it doesn't look weird. Yeah. Go back and watch, you'll see he's doing little steps with his feet. Huh. He's not yeah. taking long strides. Uh, so yes, uh, once we're introduced to Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, we get a song where it's just... A whole bunch of puppets shitting on Ebenezer Scrooge. Starts off very ominous and dark and foreboding when he first makes his appearance, but then it immediately turns into a Muppet musical number. Which raises the question that I feel like has to be addressed in all musicals. Are the characters not singing the song aware of the music? Or are the song being sung? No, they're no definitely I think they're aware def- of the song. definitely aware. And I think Scrooge is aware because he interacts with people who are singing multiple times. Yes. Yeah. My favorite example, or moment from this fucking song, is like, towards the end of the song, a group of carolers are singing about how, clearly this is just a front he's being forced to put on, he's got fear and pride inside of him that forces him to like, act meaner than he really is, so clearly he's not actually that bad of a guy. Uh, Scrooge Scrooge comes along, just looks at them, and then just continues on his way. But like... The thing he does to them is he doesn't pay them for their caroling. And they're immediately like, ah, oh, nah, fuck that guy. He's a shithead. It's just like, <laughs> that's a real quick turnaround he did right there. Like, the fact that you've already acknowledged he might be putting on a front and be acting meaner than he is would already excuse away him not paying you for singing carols. Well, they're just trying to get his money. But also, I don't usually walk down the street paying everyone who's singing songs, so... I don't think that makes you an inherently bad person for not paying someone for singing a song. Uh, but yes, we then move right past that into Ebenezer Scrooge's workshop where he has Kermit played by, or no, not <laughs> Kermit, Kermit played, played by, by Bob, Bob Cratchit. Cratchit. <laughs> Bob Cratchit played by Kermit uh, leading a workshop full of book writers uh, played by mice. Rats, I can't tell which. I think they're rats. Probably rats. Probably rats. And their Ebenezer starts going to work. Given the length of time that this scene takes place, Ebenezer works for, like, maybe an hour a day. Like, that's that's how it read to me. Also, uh, this is, the, I think, the first uh, Muppet movie that did not focus on Kermit as the main character, either. Yeah, he was definitely one of the primary characters, but he was not the protagonist. Yeah. Yes. He was definitely a driving point in Scrooge's growth in the movie, but, yeah, not focused whatsoever. I would say it definitely focused on him at some points, like when he went skating through the streets. Yes. That was definitely some with focus all, on Kermit. We have to have Kermit sing a song at some point. You also have to have Kermit's son sing a song at some point. Uh, which we'll fucking get there, because now we know that Kermit and Miss Piggy, fuck. I mean, we knew that before this movie. Yeah. Now it's been explicitly laid out for us. Mm-hmm. We are introduced to the idea, I don't 
remember this being a part of the original story, but maybe I just missed this detail of uh, a big part of Christmas is the fact that wealthy businessmen go around to other wealthy businesses and ask for donations to help the poor, which Scrooge is just not fucking into. Yeah. We're also introduced to Scrooge's young nephew, who's not actually that young, uh, but who's still joyous and believes in the joy that Christmas brings and believes that Scrooge has the potential to come around and be a good guy, even though he acknowledges that he's not a good guy right now. We get a little more information where Scrooge, well, not information, just shown in practice that Scrooge is very stingy. It's like he won't even provide one more lump of coal for the fireplace to help warm his employees just also, a little more. We also get an explanation of how shitty the rats are uh, as employees because they like bully current into asking for more coal to keep them warm during the winter. And the moment Scrooge starts to say no, they're all like, yeah, fuck you, Kermit. Why, how dare you ask? We're all on his side for this. <laughs> it's so warm in here. And they start like doing like, you know, tropical dancing and stuff. Yeah. So we go th- through that day a little while later. Kermit, uh, Scrooge starts to wrap up for the day, turns to Kermit and says, I'll see you at 8 a.m. tomorrow. And Kermit's like, ah, oh, but tomorrow is Christmas, sir. He's like, all right, fuck it. 8.30. You happy now, bitch? And <laughs> they weren't. Kermit and the rats were like, uh, sir, I, that's not like the customary amount of time you give. It's like, how much time am I supposed to give you? It's like, the, the whole day, sir? Also, he should already know this. Yeah. This is not the first Christmas they've worked together. Fucking Scrooge is not into it. Kermit actually lays down some like well thought out reason. He's like, other businesses will be closed. You won't really have anyone to do business with. And effectively, if, you're losing money by yeah, having us open. If you do bring us in, you're going to have to heat the building with the coal that you clearly don't like paying for. Well, admittedly, that's probably the one reason that Scrooge relented. And was like, okay, yeah, you can take the day off, I guess. Yeah, uh, he explains that the fact that it's Christmas is no real reason to be closing down businesses, but he's the only one who realizes it, so there's no point in actually staying open. Because as we learn from Scrooge's oh-so-famous line of Bah Humbug... He thinks of Christmas as just a falsehood, like something that's not even worth mentioning, something that's overinflated, overappreciated, and should just be flat out ignored. So Scrooge ends up going home. The rats and Kermit have a little sing song about the fact that they got Christmas Day off and they now get to celebrate the world and its purity and joy. Yeah, I think it's called One More Sleep. Yeah, One More Sleep mm-hmm. Till Christmas. They then uh, head home and we're. Now reintroduced to Charles Dickens and Rizzo, who are following Scrooge through his day-to-day life. Scrooge has a bit of a scare when he gets to his door. And the the knocker on his door turns into one of the Marley brothers, who he used to work with a fair bit. To be fair, I think in every version of The Christmas Carol I see, this is always my favorite scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite amusing. But he gets quite spooked, shall I say. Uh, Also, fucking... So... Tachi, I'm going to mention Tachi, Keith's partner. She brought up the fact that this scene should make this movie a a Halloween movie if we're willing to accept Nightmare Before Christmas as a Christmas movie. The existence of this scene (laughs) should make this a Halloween movie, which is just beautiful logic right there that I'm quite fond of. But regardless, still a Christmas movie. Some residents of Halloween Town playing a prank. It's literally called A Christmas Carol. I'm going to accept it as a Christmas movie. (laughs) You ever heard Christmas Skeletons? Never heard of Christmas skeletons. Um, so yes, uh, we're then kind of introduced to the Marley brothers who decide to haunt Scrooge after he gets home and explain to him the fact that he's going to be visited by three specters to change his past because if he continues the path that he's on, he's going to end up like them and they're in chains in hell because of the evil misdeeds they did during life. They forged the chains that shackle them by each misdeed that they committed in life. That's a good line. They should have put it in the movie. Pretty sure they did say I'm similar. just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, then we... I, I want to point out that it's a really good idea to make uh, Stalder and Waldorf <laughs> the, the, the yeah. Marley. Well, there's usually only one Marley, but you have to put both of them together, clearly. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got the Marley and Marley song. That Marley and Marley song it was probably my favorite song from that movie. Uh, you also get one of my favorite moments in the movie. Which is Ebenezer Scrooge trying to explain away seeing ghosts. And he's like, you aren't ghosts. He's like, why don't you believe what you see? He's like, oh, my senses can be fucked with. It's probably like eating bad food can also make you see things. Like maybe your mustard or your sausage. You know what? Now that I think of it, 
you're more likely gravy than you're from the grave. You're more gravy than grave. You're more gravy than grave. Uh, to which the <laughs> Waldorf brothers are a Sattler and Waldorf respond. Ah, that's a terrible joke. Leave comedy to the bears, which is my favorite line because <laughs> it references Fozzie Bear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nice little just to get ahead of ourselves. Runs a fucking rubber chicken factory. <laughs> yeah, that's the business that he runs. So yes, uh, they explain that he will be visited by three specters over the night. The first one will happen when the clock strikes one. That's the only one that he's told to expect at a specific time. Yeah, it just kind of works out that the other two show up when they do. Yeah. Um, so yes, during this same time we get another beautiful moment, which is uh, Charles Dickens and Rizzo have decided to break into Ebenezer Scrooge's uh, manor so that they can spy on him and follow the story along. Uh, and clearly Charles Dickens has scaled the fence and jumped off of it, and Rizzo is currently atop the fence, about to jump down, freaking the fuck out because it is too high of a fall for him to jump from. He ends up jumping, and then realizing he forgot his jelly beans on the other side of the fence... And crawls between the bars of the fence, which is great because in the moment while I'm watching the scene, as he's sitting on top of the fence, he is standing between two bars on top of the fence. I'm like, you're clearly small enough that you could have fit between the bars. Why are you jumping the fence? To then have the puppeteers address that like less than 30 seconds later was beautiful. Now, I want to be on the other side of the fence because uh, I am kind of ashamed to admit it that I completely neglected to think about the fact that he's small enough to fit between the bars. Until he walked right through. I'm like, of course, he's dumb. And so am I for not seeing that. It's alright. Um, so long as that was unintentional, we're all fine. So, it was totally uh, intentional. Retroactively. It was retroactively <laughs> intentional. Uh, so, uh, they end up watching from the window as Ebenezer Scrooge is interrupted by the first of these three specters. The ghost of Christmas past. Uh, who is a small child who remembers... Over 1,900 Christmases, I believe she says. So. Something like that. And I guess she's supposed to look very young and calming and all that. But she's just the creepiest looking of all three ghosts. Oh, absolutely. The third ghost who's supposed to be the creepiest, and in most renditions is the creepiest, well, is, nowhere near, yeah, yeah. is nowhere near as creepy as the first ghost in this rendition. She's fucking horrifying to look at. Uh, but she takes him to the past, where we... See him as a child not celebrating Christmas because his parents are too busy, I suppose. He's at a boarding school and he's busy studying business. Yes. Uh, she flashes through several years of him not celebrating Christmas at the boarding school, only to be uh, graduating from the school and have the principal, who is Sam the Eagle, yeah. uh, explaining. It's a beautiful moment. <laughs> You're just uh, study business the yeah. American way. Yeah. The, the British way. I mean... Uh, the American way. Yeah, only to have someone whisper in his ears like, oh, wait, the British way. <laughs> Sam the Eagle's fantastic. Um, then we see a slightly further forward uh, Christmas of Charles Dickens, not Charles Dickens, of Ebenezer Scrooge, where he's working for Fuzzy Bear, or sorry, uh, Fuzzy Wig at the Fuzzy Wig factory, where they make not wigs like the name would imply, but rubber chickens. Of course, a thing that a whole factory is needed for in that time. My, my favorite joke in this whole thing, like, Muppet-specific joke in this, is probably the part with the animal, though. Because it's like, he's, he's everyone knows who animal is. He's the drummer goes crazy playing the drums. And, it gets the, and you see everyone at the band, they start playing. And he's got to sit there, and he looks really depressed, like, ding. Ding in the oh, triangle. You, you see his body, like, slightly shaking, like he's repressing as much energy as possible to only hit the triangle. Uh, the scene progresses, some shit happens in the foreground that's not nearly as important as animal finally losing it and just going nuts on the drums. And the band just being like... Alright, I guess we're changing key. Beforehand, I don't want to skip over the fact that we have living Marley and Marley heckling Fozzie Bear. Yeah. yeah. To the point where we get, like, classic Marley and Marley, or Statler and Waldorf humor of him giving a speech where he just says Merry Christmas, and they shit on the speech repeatedly, and they're like, ah, and last but not least, it was short. You know what? Fuck it. I love it. It was fantastic. Uh, classic Statler and Waldorf mm. humor. Uh, so then, we continue forwards... And are introduced to Ebenezer Scrooge's one love in life, who's not money. Shocking, uh, I know. I don't know why, but you said that in the tone that you do when you make a pun, and I got depressed <laughs> from the pun before realizing there was no pun. <laughs> Matt, you've broken me. You specifically have broken me. Uh, uh, fuck, what's her name? Not as broken as their relationship. 
Isn't it Belle? Oh, uh, it is Belle. You're right. Uh, so he's introduced to Belle, uh, a beautiful young lady who's just... You, you can easily forget because in some versions of this movie, a whole her whole thing is just pretty much cut out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she was Marley's one love. Not Marley. I mean, he's her Scrooge. Scrooge's one love. God damn it, Matt. You but not me. more than business. Uh, yeah, so we jump forward one last time to see one more glimpse of the past. And it's uh, her explaining to him that she's quite depressed that they have to put off their wedding for another year. And him trying to explain, it's only because I haven't made enough money yet. I haven't made enough money for us to get married. Um, the business is bad, but it will be good. Good business. You said that last year, though. So I just this, this is where the version, like, so they end up separating, obviously. And there's a song in here. Uh, what's it called? Uh, so, When Love Is Gone is a song that gets sung here that, depending on the version of this movie you're watching, may not be present. Which means you go right from them having their goodbye to her walking by and Rizzo just crying. And it's like, okay, what? what? <laughs> but otherwise, oh, yeah. the, the, which is a shame because there's a really, like, this is, I think, the song part in the actual original version is really good because it has her singing a sad song with them breaking up and then Michael Caine's uh, Ebenezer Scrooge ends up singing along with her in, like, a very sad way that kind of makes sense for the rest of the movie. But if you, when you take this scene out, Riz is just crying, and then everyone just screams, like, why do you haunt me with these sad memories? It's like, you just talked about business for ten minutes and she walked away. Fun fact, that's the version. I saw the version without the song, and it was Same here. confusing. I forgot entirely about that song's existence, to be honest with I've you. I've seen that version exactly once. Yeah. She ends up breaking it off with her. The weird thing is... Clearly, they have discussions about when they're going to get married on Christmas Day every year for a while. <laughs> for now. some reason. Because of the fact that the Christmas spirit told us she was explicitly showing us Christmases from the past, not just time from his past. Which means that when she was showing him the past, she was showing him Christmas, and she was going on about how they have this conversation last year on this same day. So, I don't know. Why is their relationship so tied around Christmas when Ebenezer Scrooge clearly fucking hates Christmas and always fucking has? I don't know. I think, because the idea is, uh, especially in the original version of The Christmas Carol, it's not so much that up to this point he hated Christmas. He saw it as useless. And this is kind of the key moment that makes him hate Christmas moving forward. I suppose that's fair. Especially where we get more, because the ghosts of Christmas past part, this specific part here at the end, where it's like, his well, his relationship with Belle, essentially, is the whole mm-hmm. ghost of Christmas past thing that's kind of the important detail. And that takes up a lot of the original story. So it's the buildup of the relationship and then it failing. And in this version, it just kind of zips right through it, which kind of like makes it like not that important. Yeah. You look at the whole scheme of it. Yeah. I'll be honest, this part does the least to drive Ebenezer's change uh, in the movie. Whereas in the book, it does probably the most to drive his changes in recognizing the mistakes he's made in the past. Yeah. So then we are brought to the Ghost of Christmas uh, present, which is... Another great fucking lines because it's a giant explaining to Ebenezer Scrooge about how he's going to do what he does. And he says, come and know me better. Um, and then he says it again later and then asks whether or not he said it. To which Scrooge calls him a little absent-minded, aren't you, man? He says, ah, no, no, no. I'm a large absent-minded man. Making a pun off the fact that he's a giant. Uh, <laughs> which happened. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. Uh, so then, now, uh, if I'm correct, I, I believe that this is the only version of a Christmas Carol that has the ghost of Christmas present be absent-minded to anything that happened in the past and is all in the current. Yeah, it's because yeah. Uh, traditionally the ghost of Christmas present knows about the present, but also has awareness of how the past affected it. Whereas in this one, they decided to have, he's the ghost of the present. He knows exactly about what's going on in this exact moment in time and nothing that happened before. And as we will get to in a bit... He will also never know what's going to happen after. Because, yeah. Because that's the Ghost of Christmas Future's job, not the Ghost of Christmas Past. So he shows us a couple different things. Uh, First, he shows us the nephew's home. Uh, He fucking roasts him in front of all his friends. uh, Yeah, they essentially play a version of 20 questions uh, where he gets them to figure out that he's talking about Ebenezer Scrooge by explaining that he is unwanted, but lives in the city and is a human. You know, the funny thing about this, too, is, like, this whole, like, modern stuff, like, current day stuff is pretty funny because, yeah, it's a children's movie and they have to hint at things. 
So, like, there's moments where it's very clear, like, oh, I know where this is going. But Michael Caine does such a good job of, like, just feigning ignorance. Like, I, it's kind of almost believable, but, like, come on, man. Yeah. Like, when he starts... Uh, He's playing the game, like, oh, it's this, yeah. It's like, what's he, a bird or an owl? Uh, or he calls it a cat. Yeah, the he cat says is like, a cat. Like, oh, a cat's like, I said it first. Yeah, but, like, traditionally it becomes very clear, like, when he first goes to the past in the story, he's unaware of how this works and thinks that he can interact with the people in the past. When he goes to the present, he, in the books at the very least, he's, like, aware of how it works and isn't trying to interact mm-hmm. with the world. Michael Caine is absolutely still trying to interact with the world and explain how everything works. To the point where he, yes, yells at his nephew's wife for guessing the same thing as him. <laughs> That's my guess! I said it first and you'd know it! Um, so, he goes from his nephew's home to Bob Cratchit's house, the only other place that matters in the present day, uh, where he sees Bob Cratchit's family cooking away dinner with such a small goose, but they're all so very happy. And then Bob Cratchit comes walking in with his son, Tiny Tim, uh, who has a bad cough if he gets too excited and has crutches that he uses to walk. Uh, and is also just the sweetest little boy of all time. Like, literally, he explicitly says he wanted to go to church to remind the people there who let the blind man see and the beggar walk. And it's just like, man, you're a little, like, really into this Jesus stuff, but, like, power to you, buddy. Well, I think it's... Tiny Tim, I find, is usually, in most versions of this, a problem because... He's supposed to be a driving force, but it's more so his, like, how do I put it? Him dying isn't the sad part. It's the reaction of the other characters that's supposed to be the sad part. Yeah. yeah. It's how other people react to his death. They do a good job of showing uh, Ebenezer Scrooge get invested in Tiny Tim. And then he's like, wait, before we go any further, Tiny Tim lives, right? And it's like, I mean, yeah, he is living right now and will continue living. He will go on to die at some point. That's true of literally every being on this world. Except the ghost of Christmas past and future, probably. Definitely not the truth of the ghost of Christmas present. He will fucking die when the clock strikes 12. Uh, so we're introduced to... Yeah, Tiny Tim. He asks if Tiny Tim is going to die. And the ghost of Christmas present explains, I see a shadow of the future in which there's a chair by the fire... And the crutches that's unoccupied. I can't oh, tell he you got anything. cured. Can't tell you anything more beyond that. It's like, ah, yeah, he's fucking dead. The good news, he, he cured. He doesn't need the chair or the crutches. Yeah. That is a good way to phrase it, though, because one way or the, another, depending on how it turns out, he's either going to die or he's going to be fine. Uh, we do get another scene. Scrooge finding out that people in the present fucking hate him. Because once again, while he's at Bob Cratchit's house for dinner, he just listens to the rest of Bob Cratchit's... Like, Bob Cratchit's guys are like... Oh, we must thank Scrooge for this, because without him we would be able to put yeah, food on the table. Taking, uh, Emily uh, Hatchet. Uh, yeah, Hatchet. Emily Cratchit is just shitting him. She's like, I'd love to give him a piece of my mind. It's like, oh, we have to be thankful, and it's Christmas. Let's be nice. She's like, yeah, let's be nice about how he's a dick and shitty and worthless. And Tim's like, yeah, he's great. And like, All right, I'm going to defuse the situation real quick. <laughs> Sick about life and stuff. Um, so then we move... Beyond that, to the Ghost of Christmas future. Yeah. Ghost of Christmas present takes him to a graveyard at a church. And uh, if you pay attention through that whole sequence with uh, Ghost of Christmas present... He has been aging heavily yes, over the Yes, he had bright red hair, and then it's just been getting grayer and grayer and grayer. Uh, now, something fun to mention about the Ghost of Christmas uh, future. So, uh, apparently in the original draft of this, it was supposed to be Gonzo... But you weren't going to see Gonzo's face. You were going to see his nose sticking out of the hood. <laughs> That's kind of delightful. Yeah. So it was going to be like a different voice in everything. The only indicator that was Gonzo was going to be the nose. Well, to be fair, they wouldn't really need a different voice. Because the Ghost of Christmas Future does not fucking yeah. talk. Um, but yes. Uh, so Ghost of Christmas Future shows up. Shows uh, Ebenezer Scrooge the future. This is the one time when we see Michael Caine as Scrooge. So the least bit of awareness. Because people start talking about, oh, thank God, he's dead. Like, yeah. good to be rid of him. And Scrooge is just like, I think I know who they're talking about, but please tell me I'm not accurate in my guess right now. Please. Well, that, that's the fun thing. Like, Michael Caine does actually such a really good job in this, playing off just puppets. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. fucking phenomenal in this, to be honest. Like, there's two or three other human actors that he interacts with, but for the most part, he's dealing with puppets or guys in green suits standing right next to him. Yeah. So, yes. Uh... He, we see a whole bunch of pigs who are his supposed friends. 
talking about a dead old guy who nobody liked and no one's going to go to his funeral, so they're not going to spend yeah. any money on it. Uh, I wonder what they're going to do with the money he left behind, uh, is one of the lines one of them says. Uh, we're then introduced to some Muppets who are clearly hawking some dead guy's shit. Yeah. He clearly broke into his house, which is weird because the pigs are talking about it and he died yesterday and it's still news to everyone that he died yesterday. And yet when we get to the next room, People are like, oh, yeah, I brought you his blankets. I brought you his, like, bed curtains. To be fair, it is setting up for that joke of, too. It's like, got his blanket, still warm. I don't play for the, pay for the warmth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but regardless, that does mean that people broke into his house probably the day he fucking died. Oh, yeah. Well, that blanket was, like, like the joke is literally, she stole it off his corpse. Yeah. Uh, so, we, uh, once again, Ebony Scourge is definitely cluing into who the dead guy is. Because he almost definitely recognizes the bed curtains and the blanket, but doesn't say anything. Also, not to harp on this too much, but every significant part of this man's life happens on or near Christmas. Because he fucking died on Christmas Eve after hating Christmas all of this fucking time. To the point where, like, because this is supposed to be what would happen of his life if he didn't have this intervention and he went on the way he was. Which brings me to my belief that, like... He died from sheer force of will of not wanting to see another Christmas. So <laughs> he just wills himself to stop living on I've Christmas had enough Eve. Of this. It's like that very Christmas. He wakes up. It's like, oh yeah, Cratchit. He got the day off. Damn it. I'm not making any money today. That's it. I'm done. Uh, so then we are introduced to uh, Bob Cratchit's household. Where everything's a little bit more somber and quiet and sad and... The whole family that was there the first time is there again, uh, except Tiny Tim and Bob Cratchit still aren't there, but, I mean, they were at church the first time last time, so that's probably what's going on. Yeah, I'd say this and the uh, song that was cut are probably, like, the two, like, like uh, great aspects of, like, the Michael Caine, and, like, he does good through, but those are the two stand out in my mind, like, I always remember, because in that first scene where he's, like, having the sad reaction to the song where he's using her lines in the song, kind of duetting with her, but he's not there, and he's kind of, like, lamenting. Yeah. Whereas in this one, he does such a good job of, like, the almost, de like, hopeful denial. Of, yeah. Like, he, he realizes it's quiet, and he doesn't want to admit he knows why it's quiet. Yeah. Still holding on to the sh small shred of hope that Bob Cratchit will come in with Tiny Tim from church. Yeah. Uh, so then Bob Cratchit does walk in alone. Like, we get beautiful mirrors to the ghost of christmas present because in the ghost of christmas present when he walks in with tiny tim all of us kids like run up and excitedly hug him and he has to push them off and then uh miss piggy's like ah let me get at him and she like aggressively hugs him and like clearly makes a move on him and he's like not nah, in front of the kids um whereas in the future one once again all the kids run up and like hug him but they don't actually run up and excitedly hug him they're just like oh dad thank god you're home i missed you and we find out that where uh, Bob Cratchit was was he was picking a, a plot of land to bury Tiny Tim in which means fucking Ebenezer Scrooge and Tiny Tim died on either the same day or within a couple days of each other <laughs> uh, double murder yes double murder or murder suicide yeah and if it's murder suicide we all know it was Tiny Tim killing Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> no it changes the mood a little bit but there's an outtake from this scene I don't know if you guys seen the outtakes for this but the outtakes are essentially just the uh, actors, like, just, you know, fiddling around with lines and doing things. And one of the, the piggy daughters, fucking the closing of this line where they're having the dinner, looks over and is like, can I have his portions? <laughs> referring to Tiny Tim. I remember oh. that. <laughs> oh, boy. And you get, like, because of the outtake, you just hear the whole crew just lose it. <laughs> so, we're then brought back to the graveyard. <laughs> uh, and Ebenezer Scrooge is like I appreciate what you've shown me spirit but I still need to know who was the crotchety old man that they were all talking about his death back in town and he points toward uh, the ghost of Christmas future points towards the grave and Ebenezer Scrooge sees where he's pointing he's like oh you mean that one and points at a completely different grave he's <laughs> just like no dude that one and repoints at the first grave and like He's pretty sure at this point that it's his. He still doesn't want to look at it, though. So yeah, he's, he's like, like, kind of bleeding. So he's like, tell me this isn't set in stone. This can change, right? Well, it's the famous line from the book of, are these things that will be or things that might be only? Yeah. Yes. Maybe only. Uh, and so he walks up and starts wiping the snow off. Gets far enough to see 
Ebony Screw. And he's <laughs> oh just, no, Ebony Screw! And still is not convinced that it's him and waits to wipe off the last couple letters. Sees it's Ebenezer Scrooge. He's like, no! And then collapses back into his bed after a fraughtful night of seeing all the spirits. Yeah, promising he'll change his ways and he'll make himself better. Like, my bed sheets and my curtains, they're still here. But the thing I always find funny is he's putting his like, please, can I change the name on the stone? And it's like, well, no, you're gonna die at some point, dude. Yeah. You can't change... I mean, sure. The only way he could change the name on the stone is by killing someone and burying them in that plot of land and putting their name <laughs> Which on Which I like to or, think at some point, he's like, okay, I'm gonna make sure someone else gets buried there. <laughs> he's like, or legally changes his name. The Ebony Screw? Ebony Screw. Ebony Screw. After realizing that his bedspread and all that is still there, he is no, still not quite convinced of what's happening. So he runs out, knocks open his window, sees a small bunny rabbit on the street and asks him what day it is. Also got to mention that Gonzo and Rizzo were on the sill. Oh yes, they got knocked into the snow. They got sent flying. Yeah, something else I want to mention about this little rabbit muppet is we get him throughout the movie, so there's a part where he's knocking on the door caroling, and he gets the door slammed on him, gets the wreath thrown at him. We see him shivering, like, living in trash. Yeah, and then uh, there's this one, obviously, where he throws the coin and knocks him over and all that stuff. And apparently, the reason this this, uh, rabbit guy took so much damage was because apparently the puppeteers actually hated this puppet for some reason. (laughs) Fair enough, I suppose. So they, they they purposely put it in so many situations where they could just, like, hurt him. Uh, alright. So yes, uh, the rabbit, uh, he's asked what day it is, and he says, oh, it's Christmas Day! And it's just like, uh, Ebenezer Scrooge gets really sad, he's like, oh, genius, the spirits, they did it all in one night. But, like, it's been Christmas for years in his mind, because he's just gone through Christmas Day throughout all of his life in the future. So maybe not necessarily years. But, like, how was he convinced that it's the Christmas that was going to happen after he went to bed? How does he know it's the same year? Because that's the real question he's got to fucking ask. To be fair, I think that ruins the whole dynamic of, like, what day is it? Oh, it's Christmas Day. What year, though? (laughs) I just mean, like... I'm a simple street kid, so I don't know. I just mean he has experienced countless Christmases on a whole bunch of different years. The question of whether or not the horrible nightmare is over, it's not whether it's Christmas, it's which Christmas is it. Um... The current one? So he uh, is given the opportunity to change his life around and uh, does it by deciding to buy gifts for literally everyone in town, as far as I can tell. he. Uh, so the wealthy businessmen who were trying to convince him to donate to charity earlier on. Honey doing Beaker. Yep. He stumbles across them and uh, whispers the amount of money he's going to donate into the ear, which is already a creepy fucking thing to do. <laughs> uh, they get quite flabbergasted by his generosity. He explains, well, there's lots of years I have to back, back pay yeah. for. They and so Beaker gives Ebenezer Scrooge his nice red scarf. The first gift he's ever been given. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is super fucking depressing. <laughs> um, what about the gift of a new life by the ghosts of Marley and Marley? <laughs> doesn't matter. What about the gift of a job by Fozzie Fosbear? Doesn't matter. I mean, you think you mean Fozzie Wig? Fozzie Wig, yeah. What did you call him? Fozzie Fozzie? Fozzie, Fozzie Fosbear. Fosbear. <laughs> oh. Uh, Foster. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, I just want a Muppet version of Five Night at Freddy's. Alright, so, uh, gives gifts to everyone in the town while singing more songs. He finally arrives at Bob Cratchit's house, tells everyone to, like, hide around the corner so he could just punk Cratchit real hard before being nice. Uh, yells at him about not being at work on time. Miss Pinky says to Gemini, she's like, what the? fuck is wrong with you you gave him today off uh and then he's like you know what i think is the only proper reaction to what's going on right now where you not being in work on christmas day a raise and then happy times for everybody brings in a big christmas goose asks if the entire town can join them for their christmas celebration i do want to mention they bring in the big christmas goose we never once saw big bird in this movie well, Big Bird's Sesame Street. Well, Sesame Street and Muppets are all Muppets yeah. made by Henson. And actually, uh, I believe most of the movies actually do have the Sesame Street characters yeah. in it, but this one uh, does not have a single Sesame Street. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah, a single Christmas. Uh, I, I just bring that up because Big Bird is technically considered on the internet a Muppet. Well, yeah, yeah. All, all the Sesame Street ones yeah. are Muppets, too, because they're all made by... If you're made by the Henson uh, production, you're a Muppet. Yeah. yeah. 
It's just that still like uh, the like Muppet for it to be a Muppet movie, it doesn't need to include the Sesame Street yeah, characters. I, I still because like to we, think that the uh, the Big Bird that they're eating is Big Bird. We also, for that matter, did not see the Count or Oscar the Grouch. Yeah, true. Were they also bird form and being eaten? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, can you imagine uh, to go off on this tangent a little bit? So one of the things they make constant reference to is the fact that there's been over 1,900 Christmases because Ghost of Christmas Past says she's been alive and can remember 1,900 Christmases. Ghost of Christmas Present uh, says he has over 1,900 brothers. Can you imagine having the Count be one of those characters? He's like, let me count my brothers. One, ah, ah, ah. Two, ah, ah, ah. And Scrooge's been like, it's 1900. We're not sitting here <laughs> waiting for this. Gonzo's like, oh, they do. We're going to be here for a long time. <laughs> uh, so yes, uh, happy ending. Uh, Tiny Tim starts to like get real happy, but everyone around him. And Scrooge is like, ah, oh, I'm going to punk this family one more time because I know what song he's going to sing. I'm going to steal his thunder by starting yeah. to sing before him. And steals his line. Yeah. And then ending. Happy for oh. everyone. <laughs> you forget the part where Gonzo literally fucking turns to the camera and is like, and Tiny Tim lives. <laughs> You're right. I am forgetting about <laughs> He said that with such like force to it. It's like, did he though? I feel like he didn't. <laughs> I mean, not to like hammer the point home. But Tiny Tim is going to die regardless because of the natural progression of time. Also, not to be the dick or anything, the thing that was keeping Tiny Tim from living, I don't think, was Bob Cratchit's lack of money. I think it was the capacities of modern medicine at that time was what was keeping him from living. Uh, so yeah, Tiny Tim dies. That much is definitely for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The end. It was a fucking movie, man. I don't know. <laughs> I still, in my mind, as I said, kind of when we started talking about this, have always thought of this as the definitive one, and then got into it and was like, oh, wait, no, this is not the definitive one at all. It's great, but it is not accurate. (laughs) Do we have any other thoughts before we move on? Not not really. I just want to say that uh, I did enjoy the take of having it told, like, we were having... The whole movie was The Christmas Carol, but it was told in kind of a way like, this is a story. I mean, sure, we're seeing the events of the story unfold right now, but this here is still a story. It was written by someone, and I'm the narrator. He's not the narrator. He's the author. I am the author. I'm playing, I'm a guy playing the author, and so I am God of this world because this story is happening right here. And you're going to be sitting here with me. I'm going to actually drag you along against your will. I actually enjoy a couple of times when, uh, the the movie like leans slightly spooky like with the uh, ghost of future uh ghost of christmas future or when uh marley and marley first show up and like rizzo turns to gonzo and he's like there's children in the audience are you sure we're not like taking this a bit far and uh it's gonzo called, as charles Dick, uh, as culture or as charles Dick, he's like, it's cultural it's fine it's like it's still probably gonna be spooky for kids but fuck it whatever you say <laughs> but yes uh if we've Nothing else to discuss on the topic of this film. Then do you guys have any recommendations? I do. Yeah, keeping in the theme of Christmas, I'll recommend a Christmas movie that my family watches every year. National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Because <laughs> it is, again, another classic that, uh, well, in terms of my family and my extended family, you cannot go a year without watching it. Uh, so I'm actually going to re- recommend another version of A Christmas Carol. Uh, known as Scrooged, where we have with Bill Murray, because uh, even though I like the like the play ver- like there's so many good versions of it, I think Scrooge is the one I like the most. But that's probably because of Bill Murray. Bill <laughs> Murray, and it's also a really modern take on it. Exactly. Yeah, it's what if the story of the Christmas Carol took place in a modern era rather than in a fucking stagecoach era. I'm going to recommend uh, another classic Christmas movie that my family uh, at least used to watch every year. We don't make a point of it in the current year. Uh, But I'm going to recommend It's a Wonderful Life. Fantastic Christmas movie full of heartwarming stories. You also get visions from ghosts telling of the future, past, and present and trying to help change people's lives. Except in this way, world, instead of taking the shittiest person on the world... And giving him a second chance to not get into hell. 
They take a guy who's really down on his luck and showing him, eh, it's not so bad. You're actually a really good person. <laughs> Maybe the world wouldn't be better if you killed yourself. It also has that classic line, every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Uh, Alright, so with that being said, uh, question for the audience, what's your guys' favorite Christmas movie? Tell us. Send us an email. Shoot, shoot us a message telling us your favorite Christmas movie so that we're preloaded for the next couple years of topics to talk about. We'll just talk about <laughs> your guys' favorite Christmas movies. It's a uh, gift to you. Uh, no one has correctly guessed our topic on Instagram. We do have a comment we want to discuss that. Matt, I feel like you should probably be the one to read it out for specific reasons. Yeah, this uh, is from our League of Extraordinary Gentlemen episode. Yes. yes. The comment is from a Jesus Quezada, who's, uh, as of today, it was posted one week ago. I saw this movie three times in theaters. Liked it better than the book. I know the guy who wrote it. Yes, the Avengers definitely copied the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. And for the record, pointed at me, Alcatraz, <laughs> for uh, my recommendation of The Rock, Alcatraz is in the middle of San Francisco Bay, nowhere near Los Angeles. So, hey, Zeus, you've been called out for calling out Matt. And uh, I thank you for correcting me, because... Uh, Places in the U.S. I'm not entirely accurate on, uh, as you may have noticed. Join us in a couple months for our special bonus episode of Matt and Jesus debate geographical locations of famous <laughs> prisons. Alright, uh, <laughs> that's all I wanted to say. I wanted Matt to admit that he was wrong on air because someone called him out on it. Hey, I'll admit I was wrong. Uh, sure you will. I would know what that feels like. I would. <laughs> Uh, thank you everybody for listening to today's episode uh, just remember you can always find us on all major podcasting platforms you can also reach us on YouTube and make sure to reach out to us on Instagram or emailing us at whatismypodcastabout at gmail.com if you have a question for us or if you happen to know what our podcast is about be sure to reach out and make sure you tune back in in a fortnight for our next episode what are we talking about next time, Matt? Yeah, I think next time we're going to be talking about a uh, another classic Christmas movie. What the fuck, Matt? <laughs>